0: Welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm Ellie Pyle. I'm J.D. Stevens, And I'm Andelie Crochet.
1: And psych! It's not over. I'm Lorraine Sink. I'm here in the Women of Marvel podcast. You can't stop me. Pew-pew-pew-pew-pew!
0: <laughs> Why would we stop you, Lorraine Sink? Why
2: would we?
3: We're so excited that you're here to chat about our character of the week.
0: So we know how much you love Squirrel Girl, so we couldn't not invite you to talk about the fabulous Doreen Green.
1: Yes, I, I love her so very much, not just because we're twins, but because she is, I don't know, maybe the perfect character. Um, but also, I miss all of your beautiful, wonderful, brilliant faces, and I'm just glad to be here speaking with you today.
3: So we, of course, invited you to be our special guest host this week because you are our resident Squirrel Girl expert and super fan. Why do you love her so much?
1: Ah, <sighs> Ellie, truly an excellent, excellent question because she was introduced as a character who was a joke. You know, I do feel like there's part of me that loves the D-list. I love the characters who are somewhat left behind, are the weirdos. And so I loved her from that initial moment. But she's just grown so much over the years and and what she means to people and what her story is and how she functions as a hero She is one of the characters who really uses her mind and empathy and functions like a normal person, like a well-adjusted normal person. Like, wouldn't you say, hey, could we resolve this before I punch you in the neck? And that's something she does, and I really respect it.
3: So for the listeners out there who have committed the travesty of knowing nothing about Squirrel Girl, (gasps) what backstory would you like to give them?
1: Yeah, so she was initially introduced in a comic called Marvel Superheroes number eight. If you want to read it on Marvel Unlimited, it's the 1990 series. It was the year 1991. The story is called The Coming of Squirrel Girl, and she essentially ambushes Iron Man in Central Park because she thinks if she beats the heck out of him, he'll want to team up with her. And while they're having this interaction, Dr. Doom attacks Iron Man and she calls in her squirrels, saves the day, gives Dr. Doom probably his most humiliating defeat ever by being, quote unquote, vexed by squirrels. And they basically ate his cape off. It's excellent. Obviously, Iron Man was like, I'm not really a team's guy. I prefer to work alone. So didn't happen for her. She kind of disappeared for a while, but reappeared in the Great Lakes Avengers in 2005, written by Dan Slott. Um, you might know them as the Great Lakes Avengers or the GLA or the GLX or the Great Lakes X-Men or the Great Lakes Champions. They have some issues with their naming rights. The Avengers didn't really love that they were taking on his name. But Essentially, it was a bunch of sort of these weird rejected characters that didn't have a whole lot of life in other books. So we saw like Mr. Immortal, Dinosaur, who was indeed, of course, a dinosaur woman, Big Bertha, and of course, Squirrel Girl with her best pal, Monkey Joe. That book is very, very funny. It's also very, very tragic. A lot of those people die in really bad ways, including Monkey Joe. How can you kill the squirrel friend? Anyways, She went on to have another squirrel friend, Tippy Toe the Squirrel, who we all know and love. She also went on to join the New Avengers as not really a New Avenger so much as a nanny for Danielle Cage, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones' daughter. She was there to take care of the kid when the supervillains attacked the house or whatever. And then, of course, we know her best of all from this 2015 run (laughs) <laughs> or as it was put in the year when it came out, two number ones in the same year. But there was essentially an eight-issue arc and then a 50-issue arc that kicked off in 2015, written by Ryan North uh, with art by Erica Henderson. She kicked off and then Derek Charm picked it up towards the end of the run. And there have also been two YA novels by Shannon and Dean Hale. But I have to say, this era for Squirrel Girl really solidified who this character was. She always was that funny character who could kind of like beat up Thanos or Doctor Doom in interesting ways, usually off-panel. But this was the book where you kind of got to learn, like, how does she do that? How does she beat up Doctor Doom or Thanos off-panel? And what you realize is it is that beautiful sort of intelligence and empathy as she's a student at Empire State University where Spider-Man, of course, went to school and, and a lot of other superheroes you know, as she's working through college, she's also working on being a better superhero. And so she has these conversations like, hey, Galactus, you don't really need to eat Earth. You just need a high protein snack. Try nuts. They're delicious. And then you don't have to fight each other. And um, she goes through and uses a lot of intelligence and empathy and emotional intelligence to save the day, which is the best and of course she's gone on to have a life beyond that we saw her in the marvel rising animated series voiced by milana vine and you know now she's just like such a beloved character and i get to see little girls dress up as her at comic-con which is honestly better than anything else
0: that was like a full love letter to squirrel girl and it made my entire day (laughs) like i was just sitting here laughing and smiling and just truly enjoying that lorraine thank you
3: And now it's time for the next chapter in the great Squirrel Girl story. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Marvel
1: Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show? So we meet Doreen Green, a.k.a. Squirrel Girl, an Empire State University student who has recently been outed by a supervillain. And since her secret identity is no longer a secret identity, she might as well align her public persona and her private persona as one and help as many people as possible while she does it so she starts a what? A student radio show. So she has a call-in radio show with her BFF Nancy Whitehead as her producer and, of course, her best squirrel friend Tippy Toe the Squirrel at her side, and they take some fun and interesting calls from the Marvel Universe. Some of them are familiar characters that, you know, might be heroic or villainous, some might be actual celebrities from the real world, and uh, some are just some straight up weirdos, but they're all ours and we love them all. And of course, an interesting villain presents itself along the way that Squirrel Girl will have to crack the case of if she is to prove her identity to be valid and
3: aligned. So we worked with a really great team on this podcast, including members of the Marvel audio team, such as our executive producer, Joe Boff, and then on the creative team of the podcast itself, director Giovanna Sardelli, Milana Vintrub and the amazing cast. And today I'm going to share some interviews with you that I did with Giovanna and Milana about their work on the show. And I am very excited for you all to hear these conversations. Let's get started with Giovanna Sardelli. Welcome to Women of Marvel. Well, I thank you for having me. First off, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our listeners about what you do?
4: I am Giovanna, as you said, and I am the director of the podcast, Marvel Squirrel Girl, The Unbeatable Radio Show. And in my other life, I'm a freelance director of theater. That's what I do. I get to tell stories all the time in theater, and now podcasts, which is
3: fabulous. Let's talk about the show a little bit. The series was written by Ryan North, who also wrote the iconic Squirrel Girl comics starting in 2015. And so he brought in all of these characters from that run. So if people were fans of that run, they should check out this show. And how was it working with Ryan on the scripts and, you know, with his depth of love for Squirrel Girl?
4: Ryan North is a special creature. Like Squirrel Girl, he's charm incarnate. He's so smart. Computer science plays a small part in the show. They're all computer science majors. So not only are they funny, they are so intelligent. And there were a few times he had to walk all of us through the plot and how the plot might work, <laughs> <laughs> which with love and care and humor. He's just fantastic. And Squirrel Girl, it makes sense that she's who she is because of who he is. Yeah. Just all heart, believes in the best of us. Witty, so witty.
3: So you mentioned that Ryan has more knowledge about Squirrel Girl, which is probably true of Ryan compared to most of us. Yes. But how much did you know about Squirrel Girl? Had you encountered her before you came on to direct this show? I had not. I
4: got a call from Jill DeBoff and she said, we'd like you to throw your hat in the ring for this. And I had never heard of Squirrel Girl. And the minute I started reading the comics, I thought, oh my, if I had encountered her when I was a young girl growing up in Las Vegas, I needed her. I would Mm -hmm. have perhaps made better, different life choices. She is utterly guileless. She is just a kind of strength and resilience. I love that she has all the qualities of a squirrel and all the qualities of a girl. And that girlhood is celebrated. The things that make women special, that make little girls strong. And I started reading and thought, I want to direct this. I wanted it so badly that I was so nervous for the interview that I had to go for a walk and remind myself that I know how to tell a story. But Uh I was, I
3: wanted it more than I wanted anything. (laughs) I love that. I love when a project comes along like that, that you're like, but this though. (laughs) It was... I have to do it. I have to be in a room with Squirrel Girl. (laughs) And you were a perfect fit. Were there any particular stories as you were doing research to kind of prepare for this that jumped out to you as favorites of, oh, this is exactly who Doreen is? You know, it's
4: funny. I may not remember exactly who she's talking about, but I remember the monologue she gives. So this was in January of 2021. And the Capitol had just been stormed, mm-hmm. and I was not feeling much love in my heart, nor was I feeling much hope. And I had to read Squirrel Girl, and I had very limited time, so I read the beginning of Squirrel Girl comics, and I jumped. I was like, I gotta read 49 and 50. Yeah. And Squirrel Girl started talking about why she doesn't believe in hate, mm. and why you can't hate somebody, and how there's no hope in hate. And I I was reading this comic, and I started to tear up. Yeah. And I thought, how is this Marvel character is speaking to my heart, to this moment in time? And I left going, oh, my God, I feel hope. I haven't felt hopeful in the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of everything we've encountered over the past few years. And that's when I went, oh, she is powerful. I Mm -hmm. see why they say She's Mm -hmm. the most powerful superhero in the universe.
3: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, the fact that she beat Thanos and all the various other villains that we talk about over the course of this series. That's right. Taking down Dr. Doom. Yeah, he sucks eggs, I hear. Um, (laughs) I want to come back to the villains in a moment, but first let's talk about Dorian's friends. So you mentioned already that she's got Nancy Whitehead doing her producing. She's got Tippy in the booth with her, but then we also hear from Koi Boy, Brain Drain, Chipmunk Hunk, a bunch of the old gang. Did any of these characters in particular jump out at you as favorites?
4: Oh, it sounds like a cop-out to say I love all my children equally. Yeah, that's Um, fair. But who they are as a unit is also what I loved. It's like, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, when you Mm -hmm. look at, I mean, the fun is let's get them all in a room together and watch how they set each other off. And I loved Koi Boy and Chipmunk Hunk, who are roommates. Rain Drain used to be their roommate, but he had to be kicked out. Yeah, (laughs) too
3: many philosophy books. Too
4: many philosophy books. How they tease each other and how they know each other so well that they can joke with each other. There's a very safe space around everybody. Mm -hmm. One of the things I loved was as I started doing research about Koi Boy and you learn about the episode where you see that Koi Boy has a chest binding Mm -hmm. and how it was never spoken of. But suddenly you go, wait a second. I believe that is a trans character in the Marvel universe. So you start digging deeper into that. And then finding Leo Shang, who's an amazing actor, trans activist, to play the part was a joy in casting to invite Leo, who had never done a podcast, into the room to embody and voice Koi Boy. That felt
3: like a superhero moment. Absolutely. And you assembled an incredible cast for this show. And speaking to what you said earlier about the most powerful thing is all of them as a group, we were actually fortunate enough to be able to do this the way you wanted, where we had most of the core cast in each recording session, which was, which was so very exciting.
4: cool. Yeah.
3: Had you done much podcast stuff prior to doing this one? No,
4: I had not done a podcast. I had done radio plays. Mm-hmm. So I had I'd done a few of those, very similar, but they were short. They weren't serial. So it was a 20 minute radio play. But then when theater moved, when we couldn't perform and we mm-hmm. all went online, I think it was two years of training of how do you listen to a story? Because it's really hard to watch a story on Zoom. But listening, you start to really hear... Differently. And so I felt like I had a crash course in just the art of oral storytelling.
3: Mm -hmm. And
4: then working with John Moros, the sound designer, I had so much fun with him. And I think I got very lucky because we're all just a little lonely from the pandemic that John, instead of just sending episodes back and forth, I would sit in the room with him. Oh, great. And we'd work together. I mean, I say we, he's probably laughing going, really? How much work did you do? <laughs>
5: but I mean,
4: we'd listen to punches but you together. Were, you, you were ears. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was ears. And I marvel at what, no pun intended, at the care he took and what he could do. There was a time where he didn't like the way somebody said the in a sentence. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, wait, I can pull a the from that one line in episode four that I really liked. When he did that, I thought, oh, these actors have no idea the time, the care he took with every moment. Mm-hmm. And then building fight scenes and sound effects. It was like being a kid again. It was yeah. the highlight, <laughs> the highlight working with John in that room. And... I do want to talk about the cast because you mentioned how wonderful. Yeah, let's talk about the cast. Milana Vintroup, what a powerhouse of a, a human being and a woman who is just producing, directing, and her love for Squirrel Girl that in the middle of all of this, she carved out time to sit there and do this story. And every once in a while, she would stop recording and just say something like, Can we all just take a moment and listen to what Ryan North just had us say? Can we just take a moment and honor this? And she was the heart of every recording session.
3: Like Squirrel Girl. Exactly. Because she really is Squirrel Girl to many of us. And yeah, the rest of the cast, I mean, everybody worked so well together, including there were a ton of guest stars in this <gasps> podcast, not just in terms of people calling into the radio show as themselves, but also the villains in this are just fantastic. I've been I've been watching Picard and thinking, yeah, but he's the vulture. <laughs> John DeLancey that just like <laughs> right, you know, I'm right. Like, yeah,
4: this is... <laughs>
3: I think that, that was the
4: first pair we recorded was Ramiz Monsef, a scorpion, and John DeLancey as the vulture. Yeah. And that launched the whole recording session for me. They were early mm-hmm. on and I went, so that's how you do it. Yeah, were <laughs> were the two of
3: them just playing off each other. I loved it. Well, because particularly for comedy, being able to get everybody into the room together where they can do the rhythm together and all of that, that's so much a part of it, being able to feed off of each other in that way. So much.
4: I think about Leo and David Morales, who's chipmunk hunk. I could believe they are roommates. They might end up roommates. They were so playful together, so
3: fun. Absolutely. So since the theme of our season on Women of Marvel here this season is then and now, how it started, how it's going, where would you like to see Squirrel Girl go next?
4: That is such a good question. I like that she's growing up in her college life, so thinking about her being launched into the world like leaving the safety net of college. And how do you move through the world? And what awaits her?
3: I think that would be really exciting. Absolutely. So for somebody who hasn't listened to the series yet, has never read a Squirrel Girl comic, what would you want them to know about her?
4: Oh, she's going to bring a little joy into your life. It is utterly charming, witty, smart, fun. And the time you spend with Squirrel Girl and her friends Every time I listen to anything, I leave happier. She makes you be a better person because you can't spend time with Squirrel Girl and then walk out of your house and, you know, be a Squirrel Girl does not swear. So as I stop myself before (laughs) before I drop a dirty word. Oh, it's so funny. When we were recording, somebody dropped an F-bomb. And the moment it came out of their mouth, they went, oh, my God, I swore. I swore in squirrel girl territory. I need a moment to myself. And it was so funny. And then I thought about it and went, that's true. Mm-hmm. We've spent a month together. And these were adult people who didn't swear. One F-bomb felt so out of place, you felt like you had to make amends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, There's nothing goody-goody about her. It's just truly the question of, are you being your best self? Is this who you want to be in the world? And I just love that.
3: And I will also throw in here that what we get in this series is specifically how do you be your best self when you're not winning? That, you know, she says at one point that she maybe shouldn't have put unbeatable in the title because, you know, she's having a hard time here. This has not been going as planned. So, you know, that ability to still... Bring all of that positivity into the world when you are having a hard time and when you are coming from a lower place. It's really true. Are you trying your best? Did you hurt anybody today?
4: Did you help anybody today? And I think, what a simple guiding principle. Did I make the world a little better today? Yeah. And I think that that's inspired me. And I keep Squirrel Girl, she's on my vision board (laughs) because I look at that and go, oh, I need it. Because, you know, I'm a passionate Italian woman who can leave my house ready to take on the world in a different way. And so I think Squirrel Girl is such an inspiration because she can kick your butt if she needs Mm -hmm, to. mm -hmm. If she needs to do it, she can do it. But it's never going to be the first choice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Ah, thank you for having me. I talk about Squirrel Girl ad nauseum. I love it.
0: I love that she called Milana the heart
2: of the show. Yeah, she really is Squirrel Girl. I mean, totally. And to so many people out there. So let's listen to my chat with her now.
5: Hi, I'm Milana Vintraub. I voice Doreen Green, a.k.a. Squirrel Girl, a.k.a. Best, Funniest, Cutest, Most Unbeatable superhero in the marvel universe and maybe all universes actually
3: yeah probably all universes that seems right
5: (laughs) so the first few episodes of
3: marvel's squirrel girl the unbeatable radio show are out now what would you like people to know about this show
5: that it's really fun and i think that there's something in there for everybody for the old squirrel girl fans they will get their needs met <laughs> like they're going to be able to scratch their sg itch but i also feel like it's a really great introduction to squirrel girl for younger or newer audiences
3: so what was your introduction to squirrel girl because this is not the first time you have played her but how did you first encounter
5: her I first encountered her through the comics because there were rumors going around that there was gonna be a casting of Squirrel Girl, and so many people online were like, You should play Squirrel Girl! And I was like, What is that even? <laughs> so I I went to the comic book shop and I bought a ton of Ryan North's comics, and I Loved her. I loved her so much. I love the way she talked. I loved her morals, what she stood for. I loved her friendships. And I found it really easy to think like she thinks and talk like she talks. Mm-hmm. And so then we did a TV pilot for a show called New Warriors that featured Squirrel Girl. And that didn't end up happening. But what did end up happening is that I got to voice Squirrel Girl in Marvel Rising, which is a series that features lots of awesome female superheroes. And it's it's just like the greatest gift to be able to step in and be Doreen for a few hours here and there because I feel like she's good for my heart.
3: You mentioned Ryan North, who also wrote the podcast. So what was it like Mm -hmm. getting to step into not just the voice of Squirrel Girl, but the voice of Squirrel Girl kind of as you had first encountered her?
5: Oh, it's the best. And I've actually gotten to voice some other things that Ryan has written for Doreen and I just think he's so good at it. (laughs) Like you'd never expect a guy to be able to be Doreen as well as he's able to be Doreen. But I think he really gets her and his heart is in the same place as hers, which is really about like taking care of the planet, taking care of animals, caring for people in a way that is revolutionary in that, especially in this show, you'll see that, she's not your average superhero. She's not like your old superhero. That's like, I've captured the villain. Now call the police and they'll take, you know, which I think Mm -hmm. Doreen used to be. But what Ryan did, that's really amazing is that there's a kind of restorative justice. He's really written a storyline. That's about like finding the bad guy. I'm using quotes, finding the villain and like healing and working on that relationship, working on that person, like creating something that's more powerful than just, okay, you're bad. Thus, we send you away and you're never to be seen again. It's like, no, that's actually not how we build a better world. And, you know, from my perspective, as somebody who really cares about activism and really cares about making the world a better, more livable place, with truly like less crime in that most people's needs are met so that they don't need to be committing crime. I think there were small elements of Dorian's activism that I noticed early on, like clubs that she was a part of, or things that she would talk about here and there. But, you know, she was like, you know, a small time activist on her college campus. But now that she's really gotten a chance to evolve, and I think also now that all of us have evolved to be a little bit of an activist here and there. She's really stepped up her game in terms of like how she cares about people, right and wrong. And is that what you find kind
3: of most inspiring or most relatable about her?
5: Well, I think those are two questions, because what I find most relatable about her is honestly just how she talks and who she is and how she feels. Like, I have no problem relating to her in every way. I think she makes great points. I think she's super smart. I think she's very clever and her heart's always in the right place. So the relatability is easy. I love that. In terms of inspiring, I'm inspired by so many things about her. When I get to just play Doreen, I leave like stepping back into Milana (laughs) as a better, happier, more optimistic, more driven, more caring person because those are all of the things she is, and all of the things I want to be more like. So I am inspired by her in every way, truly in every way.
3: Let's talk about her friends a little bit. What are her relationships like with Nancy, Brain Drain, Coy Boy, Chipmunk, Hunk? Everybody's favorites are back for this series.
5: Well, Nancy is her bestie, and I think it was only right that Nancy is like. She's got her head on most straight of all mm-hmm. these characters and she's not a superhero. So she produces the show, which is a kind of super power. <laughs> for it's sure. true. If you've ever had to wrangle creatives, <laughs> you know that it's not a skill for the layman. And they have a long history together. So they have a shorthand. They like, they really feel like sisters to me. And I feel that with a lot of the talent that we had, that it was very easy to meld into a group. And honestly, it's probably because we were all attracted to a project that's really about joy and trying to make the world a better place mm-hmm. with empathy and comedy. So that definitely brings together a kind of person. But And then in terms of Chipmunk Hunk and Koi Boy, They're her buds and they're roommates, so they have a lot to talk to together. And it's funny because they both have like these kind of animal powers, kind of like Squirrel Girl, but they really do feel like they're her right hands in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, and of course, possibly Doreen's
3: closest relationship would be with Tippy Toe. So what is it like playing those conversations where half of it is in squirrel ease?
5: Yeah, just fill in the blanks with your imagination. And just imagine what Tippy's saying and and it's funny because I from reading the comics, I feel like I have a sense of who Tippy is too. <laughs> like it's not hard for me to fill in the blanks of what mm-hmm. she's saying. So yeah. It's all pretty natural and easy. Yeah. What was it like working with director Giovanna Sardelli? Brutal. She cracked <laughs> the whip. Um she's hilarious and she made this project so much better. She made me better. You know, we all came in with our ideas of who our characters are and what the story is. And she wove it all together into one thing. So she, made it this cohesive story, which I honestly, I don't imagine was very easy because we were doing this all over Zoom. Mm -hmm. We were all recording virtually in our own own spaces. And I think she really worked to make us feel like we were all in the same room and we were all working on something bigger together.
3: And how was that experience? Because this is something that Often voiceover is recorded separately, but particularly with the pandemic, how we do these recordings has changed for a lot of people. So how was that experience of working in this new way?
5: I, it was hard for me to separate the fact that we were working remotely from the fact that I had just had a baby. Mm. So I was three months, maybe even less, about three months out from having a baby. And this was my first job. And to be able to do it from home and then to be able to step away and nurse my baby and then come back to work was a dream, like the dreamiest of dreams. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like this abnormal or special. It should be like very normal for moms to be able to take time with their kids and have maternity leave and have so many of their needs met, like it is in other countries. But as we know, like, this country doesn't always facilitate either parent in having their basic needs met in either taking care of their child and or returning to work. So I felt like it was actually a super feminist move to be able to work around my schedule and prioritize people with families being able to work. Yeah, absolutely. So You've played
3: Squirrel Girl in various forms. How have you seen the character kind of evolve and change over the course of that?
5: You know, I think she is more grown up now. She's more confident and more active in her mission to really create more peace and love and equity and true safety for people. At least in this podcast, I found that it was less about revenge or like getting even, and it was more about the bigger picture of making the world more safe. Where would you like to see her go from here? Well, I would love a movie. (laughs) I want a big Marvel franchise with Squirrel Girl at the helm. I think she's so funny and so capable. And there aren't a lot of women superheroes I know of that can wear as many hats as she does. And by that, I mean, like, being as effective at being a superhero, being as inspiring, and also being hilarious. And also, I think comedy is a great way to share a message, Mm -hmm. you know? And she does both of those things. She's got, like, a really positive message, and she can deliver it through a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. As you can tell, I'm like totally obsessed with her.
3: Milana Vientrape, thank you so much for coming on Women of Marvel.
5: And I hope that thank you will you. come back anytime. Truly, anytime you ask me to come back, I'll come back. <laughs> I love you guys. I really appreciate your having me on and all the stuff that you talk about and do out in the world. So thank you.
3: Milana really is a perfect Squirrel Girl, so kind, committed to justice, I loved everything that she said about trying to make the world a better place, and it was really just a delight talking to her, as well as getting to listen to the sessions while they were recording.
1: Yeah, I really had such a, a wonderful time, you know, getting to hear Giovanna and Milana work together. Milana obviously has so much experience as Squirrel Girl and voicing her through the years, which has been just really cool. And plus, I love her. I've known her from the New York comedy scene a little bit. And she's just a phenomenal comedian and always has like a fresh take on what she's doing, which is always really wonderful. And Giovanna, she is magical. In those moments watching her, she was so good at just delicately walking everyone into a beautiful performance. In such a gratifying way. So shout out to both of them. Their work was just really phenomenal It makes the show what it is. So like Lorraine
3: talked about earlier, Squirrel Girl got her start in the comics. She's been there in a graphic novel, in prose novels. There's even a brand new Infinity comic that you can check out on Marvel Unlimited that bridges the gap between Ryan North's comic book series and the start of our podcast, so look into that. But she has also been on stage, which you all know is one of my very favorite things. So I got to talk to playwright Karen Zacharias about writing Squirrel Girl Goes to College, a Squirrel Girl play for Marvel
6: Spotlight. Hello, I'm Karen Zacharias and I am the playwright for the play Squirrel Girl Goes to College. I've been a playwright for quite a while and I've always interested in issues of accessibility and bringing theater to different schools. So this was like a perfect project for me, because I love Marvel. I love powerful female protagonists. And now I even like squirrels. So. There
3: you go. There you <laughs> go. I'm glad
6: we could win you over on squirrels. How did you first become a Marvel fan? Well, growing up in Mexico, comics are are a really interesting way of getting to read things in English. It makes it easier and accessible. And then when I fell in love, my fiance happened to mention that he had a small comic book collection. But when we actually got married and the comic book collection came into view, it was about 4,000 copies of all Marvel comic books. And I had to give up my closet for 12 years to protect them all and learn about them. So living with someone who, since he was eight years old, was all about Marvel. I learned so much. And my children, my son broke his arm playing Spider-Man. Marvel was kind of... You know, It's kind of in a sense, the mythology of the United States is the superhero stories.
3: I've worked for Marvel off and on for about 12 years and only recently had to give up my closet to my comic collection. So I'm impressed.
6: How did you first encounter Squirrel Girl? When Marvel approached me about writing this, and I had many ideas about who I wanted to write about, someone was like, you know, you might be perfect for Squirrel Girl. You know, it has a sense of humor. It's a strong female protagonist. I did not know her that well. And then I became obsessed. I read all of her comics. And I was like, yes, you are so right. You know me so well. This is my girl to know her is to love her so i did not love her before because i just didn't know about her but now i am an aficionada that
3: Completely makes sense. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Marvel Spotlight Plays program is?
6: So the Marvel Spotlight Plays program was the idea of how to combine theater, how to make theater short plays accessible to middle school and high schools, and maybe even elementary schools, by taking a character kids already know, are interested, or have heard of, and creating stories that are relevant to them and their schools and their age. So they need to be highly Performable. They need to be relevant to the kids that are going in their school. And there also has to be like a common knowledge of them. And so it was a perfect combination of taking, like I say, in some ways, Marvel is the American mythology of a lot of young people and finding a way to bring theater in. So kids don't have to just see Marvel heroes on screen. They get to become them on stage And I thought that was a really marvelous idea. Yeah.
3: What a cool thing for all of these kids. So tell us a little bit about what Squirrel
6: Girl Goes to College is about. Well, you know, the title is really revelatory. It's about... (laughs) Squirrel Girl Going to College, and the sense of that, you know, we know most kids doing this play are probably younger than that, so it has an aspirational tone. Kids like to look forward, and it's the idea of reinventing yourself, who you are when you're in a new situation, what your secrets might be, and how do you become good friends. And so Doreen Green, who is Squirrel Girl, is trying to enter this new phase of her life as Doreen Green, and leave Squirrel Girl behind because she thinks it might be dangerous for her friends. But as we all know, shutting off an important part of yourself usually does not end up in the best place. Mm -hmm. So Doreen has some growth to do, even though it's for the best reasons. And you know, I love Squirrel Girl because she is the only superhero who has never been defeated. I mean, (laughs) even Dr. Doom can't bring her down. And he's pretty powerful. So Uh, She uses wit and warmth and kindness and kicking butt to move her way through the world. And she's a good friend, too.
3: So are there particular traits of Doreen's that it was most important for you to convey in this version of the character?
6: Yeah, I think her openness to Mm -hmm. new situations, the idea that she gives everyone the benefit of the doubt on the first go around. And that's part of her open nature, her sense of humor, her pride, her self-confidence. I think, you know, I love that Doreen Green is not, you know, your skinny Barbie doll character. She's comfortable in her skin. She's comfortable with her friends, even if some of them are squirrels. And she's a computer science geek and loves it. She's a very, very bright person. She's a young woman who owns her intelligence and owns her strength and she has fun with it. All of those qualities that are so well done in the comic book are still alive and well on stage.
3: So what is it like working on a play for a character who already exists, who already has, you know, all of this research behind her? How do you go about crafting a new story with a character like that?
6: Well, I've done a number of adaptation before, like I've done Oliver Twist set in Brazil with Oliver being a little girl. I've done a number of adaptations. And what it is, you need to get to know those characters on their own terms and accept the facts of their life. And then you need to fall in love with them and understand them and make them part of you. It's like becoming a friend with someone. Mm-hmm. I didn't invent them. They become a part of me. I respect what their boundaries are but then I can take them on a trip with me. And I think that's really, really important to respect where they come from and what's been created by other artists and then add on to that because, you know, I'm a Mexican woman living in Washington, DC and I bring that perspective to it, you know, as a person who moved to this country and is an immigrant and all of that. And, you know, I didn't change that from Squirrel Girl, but it does make her see the world a slightly different way than she would from another author. And yet, she's still a squirrel girl.
3: Yeah. I love that description of how you make a character your own, but still have them stay themselves, that it's a matter of respecting their boundaries. I had not heard anyone phrase it like that before, and that's really lovely.
6: Well, it's like friendship, any friendship with anybody. You have mm-hmm. to get to know them and respect where they start and where they finish and where you can have an influence. That's all. And theater is a
3: particularly living art form in the sense that, you know, once you've written this play, it then goes into so many different performance iterations, so many different casts. And what's it been like to see different actresses bring their own experiences into Squirrel Girl and to see this play performed by different people at different times?
6: Oh, it's exhilarating. I mean, that's why I do theater because every time you see a different interpretation. If I have a tippy toe and I have a squirrel chorus, sometimes the squirrel chorus has been 35 people, and sometimes it's been three. So that's a different energy. The big enemy in this play is MODOC. <laughs> and I have to say, the creative ways schools have created MODOC is hilarious and the acting, and there's some dancing they have to do. And of course, I don't tell them how to dance, but how they create those scenarios or how we find out Tomas Lara's backstory with chipmunks and all of that, and he has to do flips. Well, they have found the most original ways to have kids create flips on stage. So that's really wonderful. But at the heart of it is the heart of Squirrel Girl. And I have seen every... Every race of girl plays Squirrel Girl. I've seen every size of girl play Squirrel Girl. And how much of their story and their gumption comes up, and how much Doreen's discoveries may be mm-hmm. reflecting some of theirs. And it's really moving to see young actors start getting the confidence mm-hmm. on stage and remembering their lines and seeing the effect of the audience. And to get to play a character like Squirrel Girl who uh, eats nuts and kicks butts, I think can be very transformative and why people do theater. Yeah, And it's fun to do. Comedy is the other part. I'm the only one who wrote a straight comedy out of all the writers because I think comedy is a neglected art form. Mm -hmm. I think really good actors, comic timing is really important if you're an actor. And the idea of collaboration and physical comedy is something also that's really exciting to learn as a young actor. So that was also part of the project. So it's been a delight. I've seen this play done in New Jersey, California, Cincinnati, D.C., public schools private schools after schools camps sideways upside down i've seen it all the different ways well and we've talked on this
3: podcast before about the episode of marvel 616 that portrayed schools in rehearsal and doing a production of this play and in fact we got to speak to the actress who played squirrel girl In that about kind of her journey and playing this part and what that meant to her. So that was very cool. It is definitely having the impact that you had mentioned of different girls of different types getting to play this role and finding something in that. Were you able to see that episode of the documentary series?
6: I did. I thought she was riveting Squirrel Girl. And it was so moving to see that whole process and what that meant in that school right before COVID hit. I think that that was all filmed. It must have been really early 2020. And to be able to watch that over the summer when we were all locked down in pandemic and all the other shows had closed it just I thought was a very strong testament to the teachers and the students and what it means to have arts in the school and the collaborative nature of theater, but also that kids who might not get to play these she's a different kind of lead, mm-hmm. especially in schools if they're doing carousel or what you know other plays. This allows a lot of other young women an opportunity to think of themselves as a leading lady and a protagonist, right.
3: And it's an entryway for kids who may not think that they have much interest in theater
6: because they haven't tried it yet, but they like Marvel. Exactly. That's why it's so exciting. And if you're nervous and you get to be on the squirrel chorus and you're one of 15 mm-hmm. people and you're having a ball rolling around with nuts on stage, that can be an entryway too. And so I love the co-ed nature of it. I love the imagination and the sense of humor that the students brought to it and they made it much funnier and much livelier than I could have ever imagined.
3: Well, theater was my winding road that led to comics, so I'm very excited to see some people go the other direction (laughs) and have comics be the thing that introduces them to theater. Karen, thank
6: you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Muchas gracias. And, uh, you know, women of Marvel are marvelous. I love it. Those plays
1: are so cute. They're (laughs) very cute.
3: So, Angelique, Judy, Lorraine, what's your favorite Squirrel Girl story? That's so hard. That's really hard. Um,
0: I do, in particular, it's like when young Squirrel Girl has to meet old Squirrel Girl in order to figure out a time paradox in which to beat Dr. Doom and New York is being taken over by Doombots is probably one of my favorite things is meeting old woman Squirrel Girl just because the level of sass is (laughs) peak. But yeah, that, that is particularly my favorite one because it was my very first Squirrel Girl story that I read. So yes.
1: Along those lines, I'd have to say, obviously, Ryan North's entire run is iconic to the character. Like, you just can't argue it. But I would say of that run, there's so many great moments, like her talking to Mole Man about not being a toxic male, like her with Galactus. But I really appreciate in that storyline, we get to delve into her relationship with her mom. And she has like a very loving, doting, embarrassing mom. And I just thought that was something really fun and exciting because in a lot of narratives, we kill people's parents. It's interesting drama, but I love that she has this weird doting mom, Maureen Green, to her Doreen Green, which is just so sweet.
2: I really enjoy the Shannon and Dean Hale novels, but I'm going to cheat a little bit and say I love the real-life story of cosplayers in person. Lorraine talked about it earlier, but there's something magical about seeing Cosplayers, especially cosplayers that maybe aren't what you typically think of like the, I'm using quotations, perfect size for a cosplayer to be able to have a character that they can wear and feel proud of and know that this is identifying them
1: within this media. Thick gingers unite. I'm of the club.
0: There's a level of fun that comes with constructing a tail. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing.
3: Well, And that's one of the cool things about the play as well, I think, is that it is giving a chance for younger women to play this character and to get to be a leading lady in a type that maybe isn't always considered, you know, a leading lady type, I think is a really amazing thing. And back in November 2020, I got to talk to one of the actresses who had played Squirrel Girl in our Alison Brie on Directing Marvel 616 episode. so feel free to go check that out if you want just a little bit more Squirrel Girl in your day after you listen to Marvel Squirrel Girl the unbeatable radio show of course but for the moment we are going to move on to our incredible women of Marvel staff spotlight for this week.
2: My name is Anita Shears. I am the Associate Director of Performance and Content Marketing at Marvel Entertainment. So I work on Marvel Unlimited, which is our digital comic subscription service that provides unlimited access to over 29,000 digital comics. My job is to create paid ads that run on social platforms, search engines and display networks to acquire new subscribers. I also work with our creative teams to create compelling content that can promote our new and existing comics on the app. I found my job at Marvel on LinkedIn in July 2020 so it was peak pandemic timing and i knew that i always wanted to be in entertainment so i was really excited at the opportunity to market to marvel comic fans at every level of their fandom but really what sealed the deal for me in terms of why i decided to choose marvel was the people Being able to meet the Marvel Unlimited team and my manager, Jessica Malloy, was a really wonderful experience because interviewing wasn't like an interview. It was more of a conversation where we were talking about the paid media landscape and ideating on creative content ideas for Marvel Unlimited. So I knew that I could learn a lot from her, but also that she could be a mentor to me in terms of my career. I became a Marvel fan when I was in the eighth or ninth grade. I vividly remember watching the X-Men movies with my older sisters and doing like FX movie marathons together. But Marvel was always a way to connect my family. So my family, we all watched Black Panther together. And then now in the pandemic, my mom and I watch all of the Marvel Studios series that are on Disney Plus. So WandaVision was her favorite. And I enjoy doing that with my family my favorite female marvel character would be storm i think she's the reason why i fell in love with marvel so she's definitely my favorite working at marvel is amazing not only because it's just an amazing company and brand but really the people behind the scenes are some of the best people that i've worked with everyone is extremely talented in their areas of expertise but they're also very humble about their talents So it makes working together cross-functionally and ideating on ideas really fun, especially for me working in content marketing. I may have an idea and I'll brainstorm with my fellow coworkers and working together and what we ultimately come up with is even better than what I would have planned for. So that's what I love about Marvel is just how well we all work together. Okay, Judy, next week is all yours. What are we going to learn about? I want to do the like, dun-dun sound from like Law & Order (laughs) because we are going to court next week. With our favorite lawyer slash big, green, amazing, epic lady, She-Hulk. As a lawyer, I do
0: approve of that message. Did it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, don't
0: miss out on that next week. But until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McGurk-Allison, Ellie Pyle, Judy Stevens, and me, Angelique Rocher. with special thanks this week to the fabulous Lorraine Sink. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Larissa Rosen. And our executive producer is Jill DeBaugh. Listen weekly on SiriusXM and on Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. This is Marvel, your universe.